it's only one thing that is saving faith, and that is placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Calling upon His name, believing on Him as the Son of God. Amen. And we talked about the description of faith, a, a good definition of faith. Again, I, I, there are several. I, I think the one by Chafer is good. I think the one by Habner is good. I love the one by W.A. Criswell, that great Southern Baptist preacher. He said, faith is the solid, unshakable confidence in God, which is built upon the assurance that He will be faithful to His promises. We, we've all sung the song, living by faith. What is that? Listen, I believe God. I believe that He means what He says and says what He means. And I'm going to stake my life on the fact that His promises are true. That's what it is to live by faith. So that we looked at the differentiation of faith and the description of faith and then the decoration of faith for by it... The elders obtained a good report. With these characters that we're looking at, these studies, how did they do what they did? How did they have a good report? If we could say it this way, how did they finish well? I'll tell you how. By faith. By faith. You know, I think other than Abel and Enoch, every one of these characters that we're looking at failed at some point. You know what happens when you live in the flesh? You fail. How do you know, Pastor? Because I have done it innumerable times in my life. Failed. Just failed. But when we live by faith, that's when we can do the things and see the things that we're looking at in this chapter. So the deduction of faith is in verse 3. It's beautiful. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. We look around at this world and we didn't think, oops, must have been some big accident. I like what Brother Merrill said last week. He said, Pastor, I believe in the Big Bang. I said, you do? You're fired. Amen. You're out of here. Amen. He said, no, I believe in the Big Bang. Bang, God said it and it happened. Amen. I like that. Yeah. Well, we looked at that in the explanation of faith. Then we looked at the faith of Abel in verse 4. And we looked at the way and the worth and the witness and the wonder of his faith. But he being dead yet speaketh. We looked at the faith of Enoch who walked with God and pleased God and was rewarded to God. You remember, he was one of only two in the Scriptures who were taken to heaven without tasting death. Then we looked at that character that we know, the faith of Noah. Remember that Noah built that ark and uh, we remember that he received the warning of God and he walked with God and he moved with the fear of God, not seeing rain yet, but knowing that God again said what he meant and meant what he said. And then he preached the word of God and he obeyed the voice of God and he saved the people of God and he condemned the world by God. Then we had two messages on the character of Abraham. We talked about Abraham and how he listened to God's promise and he lived by God's promise and he looked for God's promise. You know what? If you're a Christian today, you're a believer, you are looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And you are living for that city. You're not living for the things of this world. Oh, listen, we all need money to live. We all need places to live. We all need food and clothing and all that stuff. But listen, by, by and large, the Christian, the Christian who's right with God, the Christian who is living right, is looking for that city that one day they're going to dwell in eternally. We, we sung in Sunday school, I am going to a city where the streets are made of gold. Amen. 
where the roses never fade. That's where we're going, amen. So that was uh, the first message on Abraham. Then our second message, we talked about the thrill of Abraham's faith and and the testimony of Abraham's faith and how his family followed him uh, in his faith. And then the test of Abraham's faith is found in the story of Abraham and Isaac, particularly there in uh, Genesis chapter 22 when he was told to bring Isaac up as as a sacrifice, amen. And praise God, aren't you glad Abraham passed that test? He did, amen. He, he was ready and willing, but God said, no, I'm going to provide myself a sacrifice. And by the way, there's so much in that verse. God did provide himself. God, God provided a sacrifice, and you know what the sacrifice was? Himself. Jesus Christ on an old rugged cross. Amen. Then we looked at the faith of death as we looked at Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and we looked at the longing faith of Isaac and how he was a common man and he was a confident man. And then the leaning faith of Jacob, we looked at his living and his leaving, and then uh, the liberating faith of Joseph. And then we began to get in this series, that this kind of portion that we're looking at, we looked at the practical faith of Moses' parents and how they came to some practical conclusions. You remember, they got to that point where they, they couldn't hide him anymore after he was born. The, the Egyptian pharaoh had made a decree that all the male babies that were Hebrew were to be thrown into the Nile, and, and uh, they came to some practical conclusions. They couldn't hide him anymore, and they built that ark and sent him down the river. But then there was a powerful conviction, and I think of that, Brother Bartell. I think about how they said, yeah, the, the, this is what the Pharaoh said, but you know what? We're going to do what's right in God's eyes. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the, more, the longer I live and the longer I'm saved, the more the Pharaohs rise up. And there, listen, the pharaohs of our days and age are going to one day say, you cannot worship the king of kings. And it's going to be up to some of us, Lord willing, hopefully many of us, to simply bow our backs and stick our chests out and say, we ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. So they had powerful convictions, practical conclusions. They had personal courage. Again, Think of what it was to take your baby. I'm looking out there at Miss Maria and your little girl. Think it was to take a baby of that that age and put it in a little basket and send it down the Nile River. Again, amazing. The, the, The river had been the death of so many babies, and yet it carried Moses to safety. What happened? Well, there was providential care, too. There was not only practical conclusions and powerful conviction and personal courage. There was providential care. God brought that little baby right to Pharaoh's daughter. She saw him and he wept, called his name Moses. So our message last week, we looked at the faith of Moses in verses 24, 25, and 26. And we talked about how Moses refused the world's throne in verse 24. He said no to the world's throne. When he was come to years, he refused to be called the Pharaoh's daughter. He refused the world's thrills in verse 25, it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Again, we mentioned particularly to our young people, sin is pleasurable, but only for a small season. And God always has a reaping day. And the reaping is much longer than the pleasures of sin. 
So he refused the world's thrills, and he refused the world's things. And, and, and really, if we could kind of sum up Moses in this, uh, these three verses, what he made the best choices. And then we talked about how we can make the best choices. Distinguish the key ingredient. The key ingredient to making the best choices is faith. It's faith. Can I make this choice and please God? If I can't, I probably shouldn't make it, and you can eliminate the adverb probably from that statement. I shouldn't make that choice if it doesn't please God, and all God's people said. Well, then, how do we distinguish the key ingredient? Determine to build your faith. I've mentioned this as your pastor. If I have a drum beat through the years, I hope it's this. Get yourself in this book. Be in the Bible. Be biblical. Filter every decision you make through the Bible. You can't do that if you have to dust off your Bible on Sunday morning. Be in your Bible every day. We have Bible reading schedules. There are Bible apps. Uh, There are Bible audio. For those of you that drive a lot, you can have the Bible playing on audio. Amen. Just get the Word of God into your heart. Decide to really get God's approval in decisions. Amen. God, is this pleasing to you? Do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, deem each decision as best. Listen, don't ask yourself whether this is good or bad. Ask yourself whether this is better or best. There are things that I can do that aren't necessarily bad, Brother Stark, but they're not best. They're not best. And then we mentioned, denounce those hidden things. Don't, Don't live a secret life. Listen, secret sins are open sins to God. Huh? Just, just don't, don't live a, a, a duplicitous life. And so we're examining some more decisions that Moses made in verses 27, 28, and 29. But by way of introduction, we can say, uh, looking at this passage of Scripture, and particularly in verse 23, that we could say this, a parent's faith many times becomes a child's faith in verse 24. And then in verses 25 through 27, a a parent's faith, which becomes a child's faith, becomes a man's faith, right? And then a man's faith, according to verse 28, becomes a family's faith. And then a man's circle of influences faith in verse 29, I want to tell you something. It was such a blessing to me yesterday when I came and we had visitation. I appreciate Brother Stark's admonition to us in Sunday school. Visitation's not nearly as hard as the devil makes it in our minds. I can't do that. I can't do it. There's no way I could ever do that. Well, if you just obey God, you'll find out a little differently about that. But I saw the Hutchins yesterday and there was Henry and Shelby and Brother Jonathan and Miss Jess. And by the way, Brother Stark, you, you mentioned that you didn't forgot to mention this. We understand not everybody can make it every Saturday. I, I understand that, absolutely. But if we really care about the souls of men, we can make it some Saturdays. Yeah. My ears are itchy. So we can make it some Saturdays. I like what old Curtis Hudson said. He said, when I bend my ear, say amen, otherwise it'll look like mud flaps on a tractor-trailer truck And by the time I get done with the sermon, amen. 
Hey, mom or dad, let me tell you something about how a parent's faith becomes a child's faith, which becomes a man's faith, which becomes a man's family's faith, which becomes a man's circle of influence's faith. That time that you spend in the Bible, that time you spend in prayer, that time you spend bringing your kids to church, that time you spend with your kids witnessing and trying to give the gospel to other people is not wasted. Not wasted. I think of you, you that have little ones. I'd see Bryce and Jordan right there and your sweet little family there. It'd be a lot easier to stay home on Sunday nights. It is. But you know what? Your kids will remember, you know, mom and dad brought us to church. Mommy and daddy brought us to church. We went to church. And I love this, how just Moses' faith blossoms in, this, in, the, in these verses. By faith, Moses. Let's look at a few things here. Verse 27. The first thing he did by faith in this second message here was he forsook the world. He forsook the world. Look at it in verse 27. It says, by faith, he, that's Moses, did what? Forsook Egypt. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Again, it's important to note that, that to them that believe that Moses was in line to be the next Pharaoh. When we talked about that in our last message, we talked about how, how Moses refused the throne of the world, and, and we kind of in our pompousness will say, well, if that was me, I would have refused the throne of the world. Well, thank God God's never given me that uh, temptation and opportunity. I joke about this with money all the time. I said, I guess God can't trust me with money because He never really gives me very much of it. Amen? You know, it has its own temptations, folks. Moses literally had the temptation to be the king of the world. And you know what he said? No. He forsook the world. And again, those of you that know your Bible know that Egypt oftentimes in the Word of God is a type or a picture of this world. Egypt is. And here's what the Bible says in the New Testament. For you and I, in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, it tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Boy, that's strong. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Listen, it is not about loving this world's prestige and position and possessions, amen. You can have all of that and be empty. I saw an interview, I mentioned this earlier this year, but I saw an interview with Shaquille O'Neal. Famous basketball player, NBA Hall of Famer. And I, I remember seeing Shaquille O'Neal when he was in college uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I was just astounded at how huge he was. I was just like, look at the size of this guy. He was only 19 years old at the time. Well, he went on and, and of course, was in the NBA and an all-star and, and, and did all the things. Well, the lifestyle that the NBA player lives is not conducive to family. They, many of them have families, but many of them are unfaithful to their wives. 
Shaquille O'Neal said, I, I was unfaithful. And, he, and he, he owned it, absolutely owned it. He said, my wife divorced me, and he said this. He said, I was sitting in my 76,000-square-foot house all by myself. Can I tell you something about the world? You can, you can have everything that there is to have, quote-unquote, in the world, and be just as empty as a dry bucket. And that's what he said. He said, I lost my wife, I lost my family. He said, it was all my fault. You know what Moses did? He forsook the world. He performed a delicate but necessary spiritual heart surgery and thus separated his heart and desires and will and all else completely and totally and utterly from all that Egypt had to offer. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? This is God's command to every believer. This is God's command to every believer. God, through faith in Jesus Christ, has separated you and I from the power and penalty of sin, and all God's people said. Aren't you glad, amen? Aren't you glad that when that, that moment that you realized that you were a sinner and you realized there was a penalty for sin and you realized that God loved you and that Jesus died for you and He rose again from you and that He was the Son of God and you called upon His name, right there God separated you from the power and penalty of sin. Do we still sin? Yes, but we are saved from it. One day sin will not have dominion over us anymore. He sanctified us. That's the Bible word. The doctrine is sanctification. He set us apart. But He commands us and demands that if we would be in the center of His will, that we would be separated from the world. You know, forgive me, preachers don't preach much on separation anymore. I think sometimes preachers don't preach on separation anymore because they're not that separated themselves. I mentioned this before, years ago, Carrie and I were brand new Christians. We were at a restaurant, saw a preacher that I know drinking a glass of wine. Now, there are some preachers that think that's okay. I don't. I, I don't think a preacher ought to drink wine, alcoholic wine. I think it's wrong. It's dead wrong. It discouraged me as a young preacher, I can tell you that. If you're separated from the world, forgive me, wine has no place in your life. Listen, we all struggle. We all have different things that we struggle with. But God wants us to constantly be evaluating ourselves and say, am I separate from the world? Young people, listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you're brought up in a church like this and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you deserve to marry someone who also knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Your home, it ought not to be an unequal yoke. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes an unequal yoke is a spiritual believer and an unspiritual believer. But in here, it particularly is talking about fellowship with believers and unbelievers. And what does it say? It says, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Do righteousness and unrighteousness get along? No, they're always at odds. They're always at odds. And he says this, And what communion hath light with darkness? None whatsoever. 
Light and darkness don't have any communion together. Light dispels darkness or darkness shrouds light. One will win. <laughs> and what concord hath Christ with Belial or the devil? What, what agreement do, the, do Christ and the devil have? Absolutely none. And then you know what he says? He says this in verse number 17 of 2 Corinthians 6. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You know, a spiritual believer doesn't think he's better because of his separation. But I want to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, your separation does mean you're obedient to the Word of God. Saying, I'm just going to separate from some things. There's just going to be some things. I remember what this was. I remember what this was to be a young believer, be struggling through some of the social issues I was having. And by the way, there are multitudes more social issues today than there were 25 years ago when I was a young believer, amen? But I remember just a, a simple one that I could share, not, uh, not giving the devil any glory, but I, I like to drink beer. I, I had some beers in my fridge. And Brother Terry, I came to the point where I looked in that fridge and I thought to myself, you know what? All the, all the, the accidents that are caused by this stuff, all the drunk driving. There's just, there was just a student at Pensacola who was killed by a drunk driver. And I thought to myself, in all the wedding rings that had been snapped, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm opening the fridge, and here, here's two, three beers in here, and I just thought to myself, I'm not, I'm not getting this stuff anymore. I'm, not, I'm, I'm getting away from this stuff. I remember what it was to go out on Friday nights and Saturday nights and go to the bars and listen to bands. And God just convicted me and just said, listen, listen, that's not for a Christian to do. God help us with that. God help us with these things. The Bible tells us to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And that is to think about these things. And Moses here, he forsook Egypt. He forsook the world. But something else I want you to notice in verse number 27. It says, he was, not only did he, he forsook the world and he forsook Egypt, but underneath that also, he was not frightened by Pharaoh. Not only did he forsake Egypt, but he was not, it says there in verse 27, not fearing the king's wrath. You know, Israel had spent 430 years in Egypt, and 400 of those years were in bondage. And then God delivered them with 10 plagues. And, and, and I know you remember the, the plagues where the, the waters turned into blood in Exodus 7, and then uh, the frogs, and then the lice, and the flies, and the cattle, and the boil, and the hail, and the locusts, and the darkness, and the firstborn. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But before each of these plagues, Moses and Aaron would come before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and demand that he bow to the living God and let the people of God go. Listen to me, that had to be a frightening proposition. The Pharaoh could simply say, kill that man. And next thing you know, there'd be 50 arrows in somebody. Why did he not fear the king? I'll tell you why. Because he feared God. He feared God. 
Moses had a personal encounter on the side of Mount Horeb with a holy God. We know it as the burning bush experience in Exodus chapter 3. And, and listen, ladies and gentlemen, God help you and I that, that say that we know God and try to live for Him and try to read His Word to remember what Jesus said to His disciples. And He said this, Fear not Him which is able to destroy the body. He said that to his disciples as he was sending them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He said, don't fear the one that can destroy the body, because that's all they can do. And Brother Tom, that Fox's Book of Martyrs, you read those stories of those martyrs, going, going to the flame and said, in moments we'll be in his presence. We'll be in his presence in just a few moments. Listen, the back half of that verse in Matthew 10, 28 says this, but fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. He's not saying he's going to destroy your body and soul if you don't fear him. He just said the fact that he can do that means he ought to be feared. Yeah. He ought to be feared. See, Moses wasn't afraid of Pharaoh because he feared God. Would to be we had some old-fashioned Christians from Loomis Park Baptist Church who just feared God. You know, to fear God is to obey God. Period. Period. Say, I don't like that very much. Brother Town, I don't like it very much myself, amen, because I think about the times where I didn't obey God. And why? It's because I didn't fear Him like I should have, like He's deserving of. He feared God. So He forsook the world. In that, He forsook Egypt. He was not frightened by Pharaoh. And He feared God. I, I love that phrase there in verse 27 at the end where it says, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, faith, faith is not interested in the consequences. Faith is not, is not interested in immediate gratification. That's the society we live in. We live in the microwave society. I, I got to have immediate gratification. Faith just does right because God said it's right. And that's it. And if nothing good ever happens to me because of that, who cares? I obeyed God. Boy, we need people like that. Just, I don't care about the reward. I care that God said to do this, and this pleases Him. So, He forsook the world. But secondly, if you look at verse number 28, He also followed the Word. Not only did he forsake the world, but he followed the word. It says, through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. The, those ten plagues, the last of those ten plagues in Egypt escaped the lips of Moses in Exodus chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. It reads like this, and Moses said... Thus saith the Lord, about midnight I will go into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry through all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. This was the last plague. It was called the plague of the firstborn. And it said, all of the firstborn in Egypt are going to die. And when that happens, Pharaoh is finally going to relent 
and let my people go. But God instituted what is known as the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. Jewish folks will be celebrating that very soon here. Passover. What is Passover? Passover was God had determined that for those to be passed over from the plague of the firstborn, they were to do several things. The first thing there was, and it all involved one little thing, a lamb. A lamb. There was first to be the selection of the lamb. Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, it says, In the tenth day of the, this month, they shall take every one of them a lamb according to the house of their father, a lamb for an house. They were to, to, to select the lamb. Can I tell you something? Before the foundation of the world, God selected a lamb. So there was to be a selection of the lamb. Then, not only was there to be a selection of the lamb, there was to be an examination of the lamb. Exodus 12, verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year you shall take it. And so they were to examine. They, they were, they, if the, the lamb had a, a mangled leg or, or an eye that was missing, it was not good enough. Can I tell you that while he was here on the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ went through many an examination, didn't he? Remember when he came on the scene and John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But remember when he stood before Pilate, and Pilate said this, Pilate went forth again, John 19, 4, and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth unto you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Remember, that lamb had to be without spot and without blemish. Look again, read through as you get through reading through Leviticus. And I know you go through those offerings and you have the call and the liver and the kidneys and, and all that stuff. But listen, over and over and over you'll find that phrase, without blemish. Because every one of those offerings pictured the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb. So there was the selection of the Lamb. There was the examination of the Lamb. Oh, Hebrews 9.14, How much more than the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God. 1 Peter 1.19, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a Lamb, without blemish and without spot. The examination of the Lamb, the selection of the Lamb. Then there was to be a separation of the Lamb. Exodus 12, 6. And ye shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. You know what it says about the Lord Jesus Christ in Hebrews seven twenty six. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Can I tell you something about the Lord Jesus Christ? He never sinned one time. Not once. Not one wicked thought. Not one wicked deed. That didn't sin. He was separated. He was that lamb that was separated. 
So there's the separation of the lamb, there's the examination of the lamb, there's the selection of the lamb, and then there was the assassination of the lamb, wasn't there? It wasn't enough to just have this lamb. They actually had to take this lamb, remember, you know the story, those of you that know the book of Exodus chapter 12, and they had to take that lamb and they had to extend it up and Hebrew tradition says that the person killing the lamb had to look into the eyes of the lamb. You say, why is that? I believe the New Testament shed some light on it, that sin might be exceeding sinful. Never forget this, ladies and gentlemen. If you're saved today, it's by the grace of God. Glory to God. Amen. Thank God for that. But sal and salvation is free. That's our message to the world. Salvation is free. But I'll tell you what you realize when God convicts you, you need to be saved. Brother Swaffer, salvation is free, but it's not cheap. And, and we can't look into the eyes of the Lord Jesus like, like that person had to with that lamb, but we can look into the testimony of Scripture and realize what He did for us, what He went through, what He endured for us. There's the assassination of the Lamb. By the way, it says that in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Even as Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Shed His blood. But there's not only the assassination of the Lamb, and there's not only the separation of the Lamb, and the examination of the Lamb, and the, the uh, selection of the Lamb, but there was the application of the blood of the Lamb. See, all these other things have happened. Yes, Jesus, uh, Jesus was selected. Jesus was examined. Uh, uh, Jesus was separated. Jesus did die on the cross. But there has to be the application of the blood of the Lamb. See, remember what they had to do there in, in Exodus. They had to take hyssop and take that blood that was in the bowl and they had to sprinkle it on the doorposts and on the lintel, the crossbeam. They had to do that, and so that when God came and He saw that blood, He passed by that house. Did you know the only thing, Christian, the only reason, the only reason that God passes by you and I in judgment is because we have applied the blood of Christ by faith. We have received the Lord Jesus Christ. And for, if, if I could just put it this way, if your heart had a door, on, on, the, on our heart's door would have the blood of Christ on the crossbeam and on those two posts. That is to say, that debt has already been paid for. I applied it. I've, I've used this term so many times. If you, if you ever have got a check. If you've ever got a check. I've never got a big check. I'm looking forward to the day I get the big check. It says Rich Savatsky, $250,000, and then it says void is usually what it says. Amen? Yeah, void. But you know, you, you get a check. You get, I, I, matter of fact, I did uh, Brother Paul Whitlow's funeral on Friday, and the funeral director handed me a check and uh, got that and went, went to the bank. Now, have you ever... You literally have a check and you lost it somewhere. I, I've done that. Don't ask me if it was my paycheck from Loomis Park Baptist Church. I'm not telling you. <laughs> OK? 
Okay. I don't think it was. But, you know, listen, we've all, we've all lost a check here and there. Here's what we know about that check. The check is good. The check is worth $100 or $150 or whatever's on it. That, it that, that money is there for you to have. But you have to turn it over and sign it. See, here's, here's what we know about Jesus Christ. That God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The payment's been made, but it's not yours until you by faith say, yes, I am a sinner, and I need to be saved. Lord Jesus, please save me. When you do that, just like, listen, if there were Jews during the Passover who did not sprinkle that blood on their doorpost, their firstborn died. If you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ's blood as payment for your sin, if you've not personally received him by faith, listen, you owe the wages of sin. The application of the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. But then there was also the protection of the Lamb. Exodus 12.13 says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Christian, you know what Romans 5.9 says? We know Romans 5.8, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a, what a verse. 5.9 is wonderful. It says this, Much more than... Now think about that. Christ died for us. That's, Spurgeon said those are the four greatest words in the Bible. Christ died for us. But then it says, much more than. So even better than that, I would say to Mr. Spurgeon one day. Even better than that, the Bible says. Being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We think about that final judgment. We think about that awful judgment that is listed there in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. I preached on that passage before. Call it the nightmare that never ends. That is the final judgment for the unsaved dead. And the end is the lake of fire, which never ends. Awful. Awful to think about. The only reason that you and I aren't going there is because we are under the protection of the blood of the Lamb. He has already been judged in our place. He's been judged for every one of our sins. That's why when people come to me and say, Pastor, I believe I'm being punished for my sins, I say, I understand what you mean, but it's not true. Jesus has already been punished for all your sins. There are consequences and there are reaping when we choose to sin and have self-will and all that, but it's not a punishment. The punishment was laid on Jesus. We're, you and I are under the protection of the Lamb. What a glorious thing that is. What a glorious thing that is. The protection of the Lamb. So He forsook the world. He followed the Word. Where did He follow the Word? Really, there in verse 28, through faith He kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest He that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. He, he did exactly what God said and God honored His Word, didn't He? And then lastly, I like this. He forsook the world, verse 27. He followed the Word, verse 28. Look at verse 29. It says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea. 
as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do or drown. He forsook the world, he followed the word, and then lastly, he found the wonders, didn't he? He experienced the miraculous provision and protection of God. There's the participation. You remember what happened. Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 21 says, And the angel of God went before the camp of Israel and removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face and it stood before them and came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness unto them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and they were divided. This is Moses' faith uh, honoring and the partaking and experiencing one of the most miraculous moments that's captured in the scriptures and we call it the parting of the Red Sea. That literally that, that, that sea and, and you know uh, uh, scoffers and skeptics have mocked this miracle and let them mock. Let them mock. What does the Bible say? The Bible says he stretched forth his hand and, and it became dry land. Can you imagine? I've try, I, I try when I read my Bible, and especially times like this, try to put myself as just one of the Israelites. Forgive me, Brother Cowan, you're, you're walking along and you're like, there's a wall of water. I, listen, I've been to New York City before, and if I never go back, it'll be too soon personally. Amen. I just, I, you know, 12 million people stuck into, you know, a place the size of Rives Junction, it seems like. Amen. But I remember being in New York and doing this. And that, not just the Twin Towers of the Empire State, but they're in buildings 30, 40, 50, 60 stories high. You're just like, and looking up and just seeing clouds. Like there's a building still on the other side of those clouds. Imagine you're an Israelite and you're walking and there is a wall of water on one side of you and there is a wall of water on the other side of you. If you're like me and you've grown up around the ocean, you know what happens to wall of water? They come crashing down on you. Here you are. See a steelhead half in and half out? <laughs> Pull it out, put them on the other side. <laughs> just think about it. Just try to think about that for just a moment. What does it say? It says the Israelites walked across on dry ground. How did they do that? By faith. By faith. That's how they did it. He found the wonders, the participation. They walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. But then if you continue reading in Exodus chapter 14, you not only find the participation, but you find the protection. They got across and and, and we've all watched uh, Yul Brenner and the, the, the Ten Commandments. The Hebrew God is a poor general. Remember that as they're walking across? Oh, is he? And what happened to the Egyptians? He said, go get them. Pharaoh said, go get them. Yep. yep. And then, forgive me, like Jericho, the walls came tumbling down. That water came down. The Hebrew God is not a poor general. He's the captain of the Lord of hosts. He knows how to fight his battles. 
And you listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. When we obey the word of God, we can experience the miracles of God as well. I don't mean we live in the age of miracles. I, I was thinking about charlatan preachers and people that say, you know, just send me your money and I'll send you this, you know, used booger rag that, that has my snot on it and, and you'll experience the blessings of God. Amen. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. We do right by faith before God because it's right. But here's what he does. He does bless obedience. Read your Bible. God always ties blessings to obedience. Many times they're delayed. Many, many, listen, you and I aren't going to see many of the blessings in our lives until we get to glory. And we'll realize that one right decision and action led to all of this. I think of, we're, we're getting ready for our missions conference, the end of April. Sunday to Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We have services each night. And I think about people who say, you know what? Make a commitment to God and say, I'm going to give. And then God burdens them say, I'm going to just give just a little more. Just a little more. And Brother Bryce, we meet as a board and we can take on another missionary. And we, we take that. We're not going to see the results of that till, till glory. But think about it. Think about it. One day, knowing, hey, that's exact. You know what that is? That's us, ladies and gentlemen. Seeing him who is invisible. Knowing there is a God. This is what he said to do. Let's do it. Let's be faithful and obey him. This is what Moses did. He gave us some great examples here. Great examples. He forsook the world. Hey, Christian, maybe it's time to clean out some of those DVDs. Huh? Can we get an amen? Maybe it's time to just, just go through the, the channel watching guide or whatever and just, just block some channels. Hmm? Maybe it's time to get rid of some of that music, young person, that your mom doesn't know is in your iPhone or iPod or MP3 player, whatever. It's just time to get rid of that. It's just time to separate from those things. I've learned about separation. You can make a decision to separate and then... You say, I'm going I'm to be over here, and then over time, the next thing you know, just little by little, kind of back over, oh, Lord, help me to stay separated to you. And then the devil is always trying to get us to compromise our separation, always. Moses forsook Egypt. Just say goodbye. Goodbye to this old world. I, I, I don't need that in my life. I want to serve God. I want to love God. I want to put God first. In my life. God will bless you for it. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for these thoughts today. Thank you.